grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The college student is about to begin a class called a weeder, a class that is intentionally difficult so as to weed out the not-so-driven students. Wondering if perhaps they'll need to retake this class, they ask their advisor, how many people fail it their first time through? A newlywed couple is head over heels for each other, but they've heard about the seven-year itch, a notion that marriage has become increasingly difficult when the novelty is replaced with the reality seven years in. Wondering if they will be living happily ever after. They look up the divorce rates for such young marriages. The news hound has heard the minute-by-minute update of the latest prevalent disease, and they're wondering, will I continue to enjoy my good health? So they dive into the research on the rates for mortality and severe infection. What is it that these three people have in common? They're anxious about something important. And they're looking to see how they stack up against the odds. Yet the odds, the statistics, they don't determine what actually will happen or what will not happen. Rather, what truly matters are those underlying actions or factors that lead to the result. Things like getting good grades, open and honest communication, or a healthy lifestyle. In our verses this morning, we come across an unidentified believer who is anxious about his salvation. So they asked Jesus, Lord, are only a few going to be saved? Wanting to know how he stacked up against the odds? And Jesus responds with a parable about a shut door, uh, people who are outside, and a decisive master of the house. And it's through this parable that Jesus teaches the, his identified believer and also us in turn, what truly matters is this. Not how few or how many are going to be saved, but rather how you will be saved. So Jesus points us and tells us about the door to heaven. How it is narrow for all, yet open to all. Given that a parable is forming the basis of Jesus' lesson, it's good that we understand what Jesus is actually teaching in the parable. The master of the house is none other than Jesus himself. And the house that he is gatekeeping for is heaven. When Jesus shuts that door, it means that the time has run out to enter into heaven. Whether it happens on the last day for all people, or for a particular person on their last day. The people who are still outside may have known about Jesus, but they're still lost in their sins. And considered as evildoers because they don't have faith in their Savior. And so the departing they do to the weeping and gnashing of teeth is a common biblical expression that refers to hell and its eternal sorrow and disappointment. The thing that is surprising about this parable, though, is not necessarily what it says. Rather, it's to whom it was spoken. To some Jewish believers who thought that they were first in line to enter heaven, when in fact they couldn't be further from the truth. Rather, Jesus is warning them. Instead of being first, and they're not even in last place, 
Rather, they're out of line entirely in danger of that door being shut to them. Because the door to heaven, it's a narrow one. And there's only one way to get through. Faith in Jesus as your Savior. If you have that, you will pass through. No problem at all. But if you try to add anything to that as to why you should be getting into heaven, well, you're going to get stuck in that narrow door. You're not going to get in. One way that people try to find their assurance that they will be first to enter into heaven is by looking at who they came from, at their background, their, their heritage. For the Jews, the Jews of Jesus' time, this wasn't often enough problem for them because they prided themselves on being God's Old Testament people. Why, if anyone should be passing through that narrow door to heaven itself, surely it should be God's own people, his hand-picked ones, Right? You would think so. Yet might we also try to find our assurance from our background as to why we will pass through that narrow door because of who we are or where we come from? Perhaps you're yet another Christian in a line of generations that have been part of the church. Maybe you're the opposite. You're the sole Christian light in your sinfully darkened friends and family. Why, if anyone should be passing through that narrow door to heaven, shouldn't it be you who's been part of the church for so long and given so much over the generations? Or shouldn't it be you who has to fight just to be in the church because you're not getting support from your friends and family? We would think so. Or perhaps we find that false assurance for why we should be first to enter into heaven because of our acquaintance, our knowledge of Jesus. The Jews of Jesus' time, they certainly knew about Jesus. After all, they ate and drank with him. They heard him teach in the streets. Yet knowledge about Jesus is not the same as faith in Jesus. Might we perhaps also rely too much on our acquaintance about Jesus instead of our, our faith in Jesus? Is there perhaps a little tinge of pride within us who know our Bible so well that we could even give pastor a run for his money at Bible trivia? No matter how we try to find our assurance to enter through that narrow door, to be first or even the last, there's only one way. Faith in Jesus as your Savior. And that applies to all people without any exceptions. If you have that, well, then you are good to go. But if you try to add anything to that, you're going to be, as our parable says, like those who found themselves stuck outside when that door had been shut with only a weeping and gnashing of teeth to depart off to. Yet you and I, we don't need to resign ourselves to this eternal sorrow and disappointment. And that's because of Jesus, who himself assures us that we will pass through that narrow door. And all goes back to he, who he himself is. Jesus alone met the criteria that God had to enter heaven without any help. A perfect life from conception to death. When he died on the cross for our sins, Jesus took our sins upon himself, charging our sins to his account so that when he said, it is finished, he was talking about the bill that we owed to God. 
it's done away with. Nothing left to be paid. Having accomplished our salvation, he then graciously gives this forgiveness to us simply through faith alone. Taking our sins away, just as it says here in the word of God that is so powerful and so trustworthy. Because you see, we only need one thing to pass through that narrow door. Jesus and his forgiveness. And if you have faith in him, then you have exactly that. And you need not worry about getting stuck in that door as you pass through it to your heavenly home above. Now you would think that a narrow door would also mean that there's a narrow audience inside. But that's not how it is with the kingdom of heaven. Yes, the door may be narrow for all, but it is open to all. To all have who all, to all who have faith in Jesus. There are people out there that we expect to see patriarchs like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the prophets who spoke God's word to the people of their time. But there also will be Christians from every background possible. As Jesus told us, people will come from the east and west, from north and south. Christians will come from the four corners of the world, and they will reflect the cultural diversity that comes from coming from across the whole world as well. This shows to us that our Lord, he does not discriminate on the basis of race or ethnicity, sex or gender, social class or intellect. No. His promise of forgiveness is for all. And whoever has that faith will have it, just as he says. Having entered into heaven, this diverse crowd then will recline at the table in the kingdom of God. In those days, when you ate a proper meal, you would recline on your left side upon some cushions or a couch that was arranged around a short table with food on it. And with your right hand, you would eat the food as you visit it with the people that you're having your meal with. Nowadays, our eating customs are quite a bit different because we sit, we don't lie down, at least normally we don't. But still the same thing when we have a proper meal. That you don't dine and dash to get out of there as soon as possible. No. You enjoy your food and the company that you're eating with. So it will be with all those who recline around the kingdom in the, in the recline around the table in the kingdom of God, except your table mates will span every nation there is under the world. Yet even with this wonderful picture of the eternal feast that there we're going to have in heaven, here too. Jesus speaks to us a word of caution. He says to us, some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. The first that Jesus is talking about here are those who solidly have the faith that gets you through the narrow door, that trust in Jesus and what he has done for you. The last are those who still have saving faith, but greatly struggle with doubts or distractions to some kind. While it's wonderful that the, the Lord keeps the door open even to the first as well as the last to come into heaven and to recline at that table, that doesn't mean that we should lower our standards to be no better than the last. So we strive to be among the first, that rock-solid faith in what our Savior has done. Yet, as you hear about that wide open door to every Christian who has faith, 
do you find yourself being tempted to let your faith go on autopilot? To stop prioritizing time in God's word because you're a shoo-in to heaven? It can be easy to do so. Now, I don't want to make you question the guarantee you have of your salvation through Jesus. Of course not. But we also need to be mindful that we don't become careless in our faith. To follow from first to last without even perhaps realizing that it happened in the first place. Because you know how easy that can happen. I'm sure you've had this happen to me as well when you try to start a habit and you just see how hard it is to hold on to that habit. That when you're doing something, but when you take a little break in the routine, how easily that can become a permanent departure from the routine. And this is true even when it comes to time in God's word. Such a noble habit to have. But you see, our faith in Jesus, it's, it's far more important than just any regular old habit. Because it has eternal consequences. It's something that we should strive to be among the first to have that faith. In Christ. You and I know that although it's going to be a continual struggle to be counted among the first, we still see Jesus at the door to heaven, holding it open to you and to me. And that's a comfort. Because whether we end up among the first or scattered among the last, heaven will be ours. And we will recline at that table in the kingdom of God. That's because Jesus promised the forgiveness. It's, it's not a one-time blessing that's ours as long as we're first, but the second that we fall down, the second or anywhere down below that is ripped away from us, oh no. This promise of forgiveness is always ours through faith. And that will never be taken away. And when we get into God's word, so the Holy Spirit can, can strengthen our faith, we then see Jesus at that door so now he's rejoicing because he sees us among the first once again. When we find ourselves in situations where the odds do not favor us, we often feel a little bit anxious. And yet those statistics, those odds, they don't determine what's actually going to happen. It's the underlying factors and actions that truly matter. This is what Jesus reminded our unidentified believer who is anxious about his salvation, that the question is not how many or how few are going to be saved, but rather, how will you be saved when you come to the door to heaven? That door is a narrow one, and there's only one way through, faith in Jesus and what he's done for you. If you have that, no problem. Anything else, you're going to get stuck. Though narrow, this door is also open to every Christian. From all backgrounds, with the first all the way to the last rate faith, it will be there and full of people reclining at the table in the kingdom of God. And though we do not set our sights to be as low and the last and enter in the kingdom of God, we give thanks to God that he welcomes even the last to this eternal feast. Yet the clock is, click, the clock is ticking for us to enter through that door. Because once it is shut, that's going to be it. As such, we strive. We strive to enter through this door, just as Jesus told our unidentified believer to do the same thing. 
that in the same way that an athlete pushes themselves to reach their goal despite all the hardships along the way, so we also too push ourselves to reach our goal in heaven despite the hardships we truly have today. It's not easy to strive for this goal. After all, that door is narrow. And it being wide open, well, it's easy to take advantage of that wide open door. Yet when it comes to our assurance for salvation, this is what we strive for. A faith that is focused on Jesus. For it is through that that we have the guarantee that we will surely pass through heaven's narrow and open door. Amen.